and welcome to the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace, and with my amazing co-host, Dr. Susan Fancher, today we're talking about new saxophone products, peak performance practice and technique, and we dive into the mailbag and answer some of your questions. Small correction, we don't have the free commission workup for everybody yet. We mentioned that in this episode, but it will be up next week. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Say something soon to make sure we got levels. Okay, are we still here? Are we still recording? I don't know. Am I supposed to be? Oh, was I supposed to record that? Oh, well, let's start yeah, over. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> so, we, all right, I got uh, questions. You got questions. I got um, things ready to go. Okay. Um, did Vendoran send you any other products that you don't know the name of? <laughs> no? You know, I made you say rose gold in that last one, too. Uh, did I say rose you gold said- last time? Uh, okay. <laughs> but it's my fault. You can blame me. Okay. Um, they Pink. did send me some thicker black mouthpiece patches that I also haven't tried yet. <laughs> oh, speaking of mouthpiece patches. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. We're talking about what was new and what we did during the pandemic. I completely forgot to mention uh, I have a, my own mouthpiece now. <laughs> you have your own mouthpiece? You got to talk about that then. Yeah, I don't want to. Oh, um, okay. I mean, eventually I will. I'll yeah. have another big announcement. And I mean, my students are well aware that I, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I try not to sell stuff often. To yeah. the people that, because re- they come to me to learn. So I tried to, to hold that as a fairly sacred thing. Um, but it did release a mouthpiece. But the reason I bring that up was not to sell more of the fantastic Windy City Woodwinds 56 Wally Wallace signature mouthpiece. No, the reason I bring that up was we recently changed to a higher quality uh, mouthpiece patch made by Theo Wane. Oh. And Theo Wane is this amazing guru. And we may talk yeah. about that a little bit more. Okay. Maybe next week. Okay. Wink. Wing. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe <laughs> okay. I don't know. Maybe you can guess. Maybe in the uh, on social media or in the YouTube video coming. That's my kids stomping upstairs, <laughs> chasing something. Um. So maybe if you can guess, you know why we might want to bring that up. Wink. We'll have an announcement <laughs> next week. But we got other cool things to talk about this week. Yes. First and foremost, we are back, and we need to thank someone. Yes. Key leaves oh. are solving my biggest problem. Yeah. You, know, you may think like, what's your biggest problem? Is it student loan debt? No. <laughs> it, is it is it that you're getting old and you sound like a percussion section every time you stand up with your bones rattling? No, that's not my biggest problem. It, is your biggest problem... Well, n- n- no. Whatever you're guessing right now, this is just getting insulting to me. Why am I insulting myself? No, it's sticky keys, specifically sticky oh, G-sharp. Yeah. You're in a lesson. Yeah. You're teaching the kid the E major scale. Yeah. But it's not an E major scale. No. So what is it? Starting to sound pretty E minor. Sound like E minor. <laughs> and it's because of that sticky key. And you go to fix that sticky key on your horn or their horn, and it's disgusting. It's terrifying. Yeah. Because the greatest enemy of the saxophone, aside from employment, is, <laughs> is, is moisture. Moisture. And our yeah. friend Rulon Brown at Key Leaves has decided, you know what? It's time to solve some of these problems that the saxophone has. Yeah. A dry saxophone is a happy saxophone. Yeah. Moisture collecting, especially keys that stay closed, they get sticky, yep. they get gross, they get yep. grimy. And somewhere I'll put a link where you can actually check out his website. Key, if you just do a Google for Key Leaves, you're going to find yeah, him. Yeah, it's going to come up. Where he actually did year-long research with, he bought two brand new Silmer horns, played one and never swabbed it, and then also one with Key Leaves. And the one that he never swabbed, which let's be honest. You should swab your saxophone, yeah, first so, of all. Some yeah. of you guys aren't. 
<laughs> and there may have been times in my life where I'm running to three different universities uh, to teach lessons where I yes. may not have swabbed. Yeah. And what happens to the inside of your horn when it stays wet and gets put away wet and your keys are closed? It's gross. It's gross. It's unhealthy. Your keys start to rot and they get yep. sticky. But... but key leaves, key props. Yep. The probably not proud, but definitely the sponsor. They're not <laughs> proud of us. We're, I'm very proud of, of my friend Rulon yeah. and key leaves. They've solved this problem in an incredibly innovative and cool way. It leaves the stickiest keys open to dry. <laughs> so you get so your E major skill becomes Yay. an E major scale. It's not minor. How high the moon is yep. a very optimistic song. <laughs> Because it's not, I'm thinking alto key here specifically. Right. <laughs> Your pads will last longer yeah. and it solves a lot of problems. There will be a link in the show notes. Check out Key Leaves. Key props specifically. He makes some very cool products we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. Um, many sit inside my case very happily and yep. make my saxophone look cooler. Um, <laughs> but check out the Key Leaves key props. Huge thanks to our sponsor. And they are also sponsoring our commission project. Yeah. Which now by the time this airs, you can click on the link in the show notes, go to the Saxophone Academy website forward slash podcast, and you will see a download to our first major commissioned work by Ginny Watson, London-based composer. Now, this is not a commission for me. It's nope. not a commission for you. Nope. It's not a commission for us. Normally, what, what normally happens when so, a saxophonist commissions a work? So, well, it can be a solo commission or a consortium commission. These days, a bunch of... Um, can you say consortium three consor- times fast? No. Cons- That's where a bunch of saxophones get together. Cons- consortium consortium. Yeah. Consortium. Consor- <laughs> <coughs> consortium. Just clear your throat and pretend like you did I it. actually can't say that ten times fast. I cannot. <laughs> anyway, a bunch of saxophone players get together and pay a little bit of money each to a composer to get them to write a work, and then that group of performers has exclusive rights to the work for a year or two or however mm-hmm. many years they decide to have it, and then everybody else can can buy a copy. We pick up the scraps a of, year later. Of, yeah, and if the work's, in a way, that's kind of, it's fine. You know, you get a new piece written, and a couple years later, you can buy the music and, <laughs> and then get it. But the, the problem with that model is very often those pieces are written for... Um, academia. Yep. So in the style of music is is more for concerts in universities by people who are either students or teachers in universities. And they're often not imagined for like, I don't know what the right term is, but the general concert going public right. or people like out in the quote unquote real world or, or players who are really more concerned with playing music that their audience is going to like and not as concerned about being cutting edge, because what does that even mean anymore in the year 2021? Yeah, I feel like a lot of composers are exploring sounds, and we've been exploring the same sounds since the 1970s. Yeah, and a lot of composers, though, now are actually past that whole modern, Mm -hmm. postmodern thing, and really aware that any kind of music that they want to write is okay to yes. write and they don't feel like they have to write a certain kind of music. So it's, it tends to be, um, better music, frankly, what's being written now. And so what I am really excited about is getting a body of work created yes. that everybody can enjoy playing and listening to. It's fine if some of it is virtuosic and difficult yes. and it's fine if some of it's ends up being really melodic and approachable and 
this term listenable comes to mind, even though I know some people bristle at that. But you should be able to have a piece of music where if you get a, a, a gig at your local coffee shop, yes. that's yeah. maybe a bad example. Or a lot, of, a lot of our American listeners play in church on Sundays. Yeah, you should be able to go and play in church. I love playing in church, and I can't play any of that music I learned in academia in church. I can't either. Well, mainly due to the, the burning sensation when I go to churches. But <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. So... We have one end of the spectrum covered. Um, yeah. Where academics and, well, basically, the world's best saxophonists, like, technically speaking, dedicated their lives to be amazing musicians are playing incredibly difficult music, which leads a lot of our, our adult amateurs high and dry. Because if they want to play new music, they yeah. may not like it because they may not be into the, the very avant-garde and exploratory music. Yeah. And also, it, it, it has started to become a little bit difficult for difficulty's sake. Virtuosity there for is virtuoso's some of that. sake. Yeah, and I have had composers say fine. to me that I was commissioned to write this piece, and the performer kept asking me to make it harder. harder right, and it's fine <sighs> to have some of that. And Absolutely. like, and some of our podcast listeners and friends are virtuosos of the highest oh, caliber, yeah. and they they blow our minds. We have that. So what we're doing is commissioning a body of work thanks to sponsors like Key Leaves that is available. Not only for free to everyone, so you can just go download and learn this music with us. And we're going to have lessons on this music built into the podcast. And I'll make some YouTube videos. Um, I'll try to keep the number of puppets and fake mustaches down. <laughs> where we can work on this music together, and it will be accessible, not only just for free download, but accessible musically. And so someone of a high school level background can start to approach this music. Yeah. Some will be harder than everyone can do. Yeah. But some music will be college professors will love it and the adult amateurs will still be able to play it because great art is yeah. great art. Yeah. It, I got asked to play the featured artist um, concert at the SAI, Sigma Alpha Iota. Which is the national, it's a the women's, women's professional music fraternity. fraternity. Yeah. And I got asked to play as the featured performer next summer. So 2022, oh. it's going to be in Greensboro at the convention center. And I'm trying to come up with concert program for them that will be interesting music, beautiful music, wonderful music. It can be somewhat challenging. These are people with a musical background, but I don't want to play. Mm -hmm. I, I love the Albright, and it's great to play the Albright Sonata in certain settings, but I don't want to play it at that setting. Right. So I'm looking for some really gorgeous music that these people will just love. Right. And and we don't have as much of that in our right. classical saxophone repertoire as we need to have. My students at Duke all the time are looking for difficult music that's got great tunes, that's yes. exciting for their classmates to come to the recital and hear. The non-musician classmates. Yeah. yeah. So these are intelligent, you know, sophisticated people who love music, but they don't want to listen to fill in the blank. Right. They want to listen to some really good music. I don't like fill in the blank either. And I want new music. music. Yeah. It's always great to have new music. New music. And so that's, so this first piece, you go to the website, and we'll talk about it more, Yay. the internet, and start to walk you through how to perform this piece. Uh, and maybe even get a performance up if one of us can pop it in the studio in time. Yeah. Uh, Jenny Watson, one of my favorite composers. Uh, we had a long Zoom where we were just kind of really, we get each other, what we're awesome. after and what we want to do for the saxophone community. Because I don't know if you know what happened about 100 years ago, Sue. <laughs> what happened 100 years ago? Uh, Larry Engelstein uh, died of dysentery. No, I'm kidding. jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> On the Oregon Trail. No, 100 years ago, <laughs> something big was happening with the saxophone. And we called it the... 
the saxophone craze. The saxophone craze <laughs> was the 1920s. Yeah. Where everybody and their brother and their mother and their sister were playing the yeah. saxophone. We're bringing it back. There were so many saxophone and bands. And we're going to be and doing it back. a lot of girl, girl groups, oh, too. Yeah, because everyone. It was, everybody played the, the saxophone. The saxophone was, it was this incredible democratization of music. Yeah. And we're going to do our small part with yeah. the help of our incredible sponsor, Key Leaves, to bring that back, getting more people playing. So step one is making sure we have music yeah. that we can all get. We don't have to pay off through the nose for it. Everyone yep. can download it. You don't have to wait till a year until the exclusivity rights have right. run out. We can all play it, record it, and learn it together. It's new and fresh and written during our lifetime. Yes, and talking about <laughs> saxophone bands and choirs. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked about this yet, but ah. I think you know where I'm going. Well, we need to bring back the saxophone bands. Saxophone bands. And we need new music for that. There's yeah. I I get excited about a lot of things, honestly. Like when there was limited edition Lucky Charms, um, <laughs> the, the cosmic loops. I'm not kidding. I get excited about this. Yeah. What we're starting here, I'm beyond, I'm buzzing. I'm so excited. I can tell. Uh, well, I got to tell you that saxophone quartet has been my favorite way of making music for decades. Okay. So I'm, I'm excited about saxophone quartet, saxophone bands, and you can expand yep. from there. And <laughs> we're going to make it more accessible. We need yeah. more people playing the saxophone. Yeah. Not fewer. And more music that you can just get together with your friends and play, yes, without having to practice 25,000 hours. Yes. Agreed. So, yeah. thanks to our sponsor. Go to the link in the show notes. Download the first free piece by Jenny Watson. Yay. And this is not just a little free teaser. This is a work of art you're going to love. And we're going to talk about it more next week. But go ahead yeah. and download it. Take a look. Okay. New products. What is Last that, week, Wally? Uh, this one I'm holding <laughs> in my hand. Some very nice people in Canada said, hey, um, you want some reeds, eh? They, they didn't talk like that. It was actually an email, but I just pictured it that way. I love Canadians. Favorite Canadian joke. How do you get 50 drunk Canadians out of a pool? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Just ask them to get out of the pool. Oh, yeah. They're I really nice people. I know. Well, you know, I'm born and raised near Buffalo, New York, which is very, very, which very is close to I Canada. I like you. I know, right? I like you almost as much as my Canadian friends. So, Legere, a Canadian company... Um, um, called me out on one of my YouTube videos because I, your students probably talk a lot about Legere and being a Vandoran artist. You're like, we talked about this last week. Yeah. Last week, <laughs> leave me alone. Yes, I get it. You like Legere. Same thing for me because I love Kane Reads. <laughs> um, and so finally, like I just like, yeah, I'll review them. And it just it was one of those throw off comments. Yeah. I had no intention of making good on none. Oopsies. I'm not and like, but then I got an email from uh, Chris, the marketing um, director over at Legere, I said, hey, I noticed on this on this uh, YouTube comment, <laughs> you said you're going to look at some Legere. Can we send you some? And what am I going to say? Like, no. No, I don't want to look at those. Nyeh. And so they sent me well, a very nice box of Legere and a bunch of different strengths. Great. Uh, when they asked, like, what, what strength do you play? And I got to say, so um, new product alert for me, uh, and I released a YouTube video a couple weeks ago on this, uh, Legere, Synthetic Reads. Uh, I've already got a YouTube video, so I'll shut up about it. But I wanted to know, as a teacher now you don't perform on these but your students play on these what they has do. been your experience as a as a pedagogue well what's interesting about it is <laughs> the first time a student told me they were playing on a legere read was like their third or fourth lesson and i hadn't noticed so uh, they were like oh is it okay that i play on this legere plastic read and i was like well i guess so since i haven't noticed in a month <laughs> And they sounded great. I mean, they just, I didn't even give it a thought. Because the thing is, I, I don't make my students play on the same mouthpieces and reads that I play on. Now, Hemke made us play on, had to be the C-star yeah. a mouthpiece. And we he was okay with Van Doren reads, although uh, in later years when I studied with him, he had his Fred Hemke reads yes. that he wanted us to play on. 
but he was okay if we didn't, although he was more okay if you did, obviously. But anyway, he wanted everybody to play on the same setup because it was easier for him to figure out what you were doing um, with your embouchure if you were on the same equipment. I don't make my students do that. Right. So they all have their own sounds. They don't sound as much like me as we sounded like Hemke because we right. played on the same stuff as he played on. So I just didn't notice that the, the kid, uh, sorry, uh, the student was playing on a Legere. But, I mean, they sound great, and their reeds seem to last a long time. And they fish around for a while to figure out exactly which strength they should get. And once they figure that out, then they seem good to go. And here's... This is, uh, Legere is not currently a sponsor, so uh, this is just a new product review. Yeah. Uh, but full disclosure, I did get these for free. I did not pay for these, and I don't have to send them back, because right. that'd, that'd be weird, because um, they've been in my mouth. Um, but they <laughs> do have, um, one thing I do like about the company, and I've heard from when I mentioned this, uh, my students were all like, oh man, their, their um, strength-finding policy, I just butchered whatever they call that program. Yeah. So they have this policy where you can try out strengths. You do your best guess, they send it to you, and you can exchange them for... You know, the next strength down or up. Are you up. kidding? While no. you're trying to figure it yeah. out. And during the pandemic, oh. and big props, once again, not a paid sponsor, though they probably should think about it. Um, Legere during the pandemic said, you don't need to send them back just if this oh, doesn't man. work. I'm not kidding. This is a good company. They would just send wow. you another strength to try. Because here's the thing. If the strength doesn't work for you, you can't resell these things. And right. you're not going to get any use out of them. Like, right. you have to find your strength. Because I will say, uh, a cane reed... If you play in a three and you could shave down a 3.5 and kind of make it work if you had to. This isn't like that. The wrong strength on Legere, I find, did not work. Okay. Like a, that makes sense. A slightly strong cane reed, if I played on my jazz mouthpiece, sounds kind of fuzzy and Stan Getz-ish. Stan Getz-ish. Yeah. The wrong strength, uh, Legere, sounds like a big hot mess. I'll be fully so honest. So can you adjust, can you move it up or down like you can a cane? Not as not much. Not as much. I find, and that was the other thing, so, and I... I don't think I addressed that in the video, but they're very sensitive to placement on the mouthpiece. Too far up, stuffy mess. Too far down, okay. you get this very weird clip to the articulation. It's hard to describe. The articulation sound weird. So, it so they're designed to be put in the correct position. Yes. Got so unlike it. a cane reed, there's not as much flexibility. So you do have to find your right strength, but they have a policy. Uh, during the pandemic, they were just like, let's yeah. just get people playing music. Yeah. Uh, after the pandemic, they're like, hey, if it's not the right, send it back. And we'll send you the the strength that'll work for you. So they're cool. happy to work with you. Um, do they come in quarter sizes? They do. So uh, I've I play on a three point five jazz read, the softer ones in the box. Um, for me, the three point two five on my jazz mouth on my signature Windy City Woodwinds fifty six alto mouthpiece. Just saying. Just saying. Um, <laughs> the three point two five American cut. So they have a new American cut, which is yeah. I just see that on this read. It says American. cut. Yeah, and it's a little bit broader, warmer sound. Uh, huh. Whereas the signature. I think unequivocally classical players are going to like the signature. It's more focused. It's okay. warm, but it's focused. It's a little wonky on my jazz mouthpiece. Not bad. Uh, I actually thought it was pretty well, good. Well, you but wouldn't put a blue box Van Doren on your jazz mouthpiece don't for tell the me same what reason. I, don't tell me what okay, I can play. Wally, so, yeah. I can tell you. Okay, she's right. <laughs> it, it works, but like some reads are going to work yeah, better gotcha. if they're just shaved differently. Gotcha, gotcha. So the American is really good for jazz. Um, the signature, I didn't do a sound sample on the YouTube video. It works beautifully on my uh, Larry Teal and my C-Star. Nice. And to the point where I was like, well, mm. I'm not going to poke a Van Doren artist. No, no, um, it's okay. Because we desperately need the corporate dollars, my darling. Oh, stop it. No. <laughs> um, no, but they're really good. I've changed my mind. I used to just poo-poo them. And, um, yeah. But yeah, so I your students have had good success? I, yeah, and I would say probably at least half of my students are playing on the Legere. Half? Yeah. 
Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, they're very popular. Yeah. And so well, they don't want to mess around with ordering cane reeds so often. Yeah. But no. I still give them sample Van Dorans once in a while when their reed sounds crappy. <laughs> 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 Just like Hemke used to give us Hemke reeds when our reed uh, was bad. Sounds like you're struggling. <laughs> Have a Hemke reed. Hey, do you know the, the joke about the Hemke reeds? What? So there was a student one time playing and Hemke was like, oh my gosh, your reed sounds terrible. That's a terrible read. And the student said without skipping a beat, well, it doesn't have my name on it. Oh. <laughs> and Hemke laughed. He had a great sense of humor. He just seemed like a very cool guy. And so there are, okay. let's be very clear, Hemke's are not just for students. Now, oh, God, no. For our, our yeah. adult amateur students, I think they're very good. Oh, um, yeah, they're great Because reads, they've yeah. just taken a, a variable out of the equation. I talked about this in the YouTube video. I won't bore the listener. Yes. Um, they're quite, Larry's already been talking about this. Yeah. They're um, a great tool, but there are professional friends. Um, I reached out on Facebook to see which of my friends are playing it, and our friend Dan Grazer, yeah. uh, soprano player for the Donald Center Quartet, uh, which actually next week we need to talk about, I'm so sorry to the, ugh, I feel terrible. Some oh. really nice people sent some really great stuff right at the start of the pandemic. Oh, gosh, right we're so when, behind on that so stuff. So behind. So we'll Dan has sent me this incredible resource called Chops. Oh. And you're not on the internet. You don't know what I'm talking about, do I you? I don't. I will show you. It is. Uh, you're going to leave with it today. Okay. Because it scares me, frankly, what's in that wow. book. It scares awesome. me. I open it up, and then I suddenly feel incredible, in, uh, incredibly inadequate. Or Tuesday, as That's I call it. good, I think. Yeah. No, it is. It's for the very serious, especially the aspiring classical virtuosos. Okay. Um, oh, but he's about to release, I believe, Chops 2. Oh, geez. And I haven't even talked I'm about so Chops 1 yet because okay. of the pandemic. Right. So, I mean, to um, Dan, I'm really sorry. You have written an incredible book. Um, but the, all this is to say that Dan said that he has been, he does use Legere and has some students that use Legere. And I said, you know, I actually found that I couldn't play the Altissimo E in a bear on it, like I can with my mm, three and a half. Mm -hmm. and I said, did you notice that? Uh, he, he did not notice that. Ah. Uh, he's, he's hitting like B5. Well, okay, great. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I take his word for it. At the same time, I think like, Dan, I want to hear a video of this. So mm. pop up a video, tag me on Instagram or YouTube because I want to see this. This uh, incredible autismo, yeah. he, he, he will do it. He, can he play will that. do it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no question. He sounds like one of those people who got really like focused during the pandemic and, and used work and, you know, what he does to get him through. And some of us took an emotional dive. <laughs> yeah, I cried in my Fruit Loops. <laughs> but like, yeah, Dan yeah. was like, cool, more time to get work done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go, so, but but he, anyway. <laughs> all this is to say there are pro players, world class pro players like Dan. Yeah. Um, I have friends that are Legere artists, too, um, that play Legere, not yeah. because they're a student or convenient, but, I mean, some people yeah. just absolutely love them. Yeah. So huge thanks to Legere for sending those. That was the product that most surprised me, yeah. uh, I think, during the all this pandemic and what yeah. was going on is Legere was a big win. Now, awesome. any other products you've tried? Um, what other products? You know, I'm this not... This is gear talk. I know, segment, I'm not a way. real big uh, gear person, but I did get some new mouthpiece patches from Van Doren. They're a little thicker and black. Uh -huh. So they have those really wonderful, thin, clear plastic ones that mm -hmm. I've been using for years and years and years. I love them because they last a very long time. And they're not squishy, but they're just enough that they hold your teeth in place and they cushion the mouthpiece a little bit, but, but you don't cut through them very quickly. So I love those, but now we have a, a black, a little bit more squishy, squishy one. one. If you like a thicker mouth. I like mouth. the squishy. Yeah, so like you comfort. will like them. Yeah. Well, then go for My it. My playing's built for comfort, not for there speed. There you go. So, Good so on you, I man. will try the Vandoran squishies. <laughs> yeah. Actually, probably won't. But They're probably not called that. The Vandoran squishies? 
the rose gold squishies. Oh, okay. stop it. I'll shut up. Um, and it's pink gold, man. <laughs> now, we've got a question <laughs> yes. from a listener that Serious we're going to answer. This is from John Cole Payne. Ah. Um, John. We're going to call him John. Okay, John. Uh, John um, actually has a question, and we're going to answer it with a segment. So normally okay. we, we're, we do album reviews. Yes. Um, and so we have been listening to a new album by a friend that we've actually reviewed, I think, two other albums. I think so. Partially yeah. because we're lazy before. and we don't scour the internet for <laughs> free stuff. But uh, so John asks, I'm always looking for new sax players. Let me say that in English. I'm always <laughs> looking for new sax players to listen to. Are there any modern saxophonists playing today that you would consider to be a true innovator, like a bird or cold train? that are creating a new jazz style. Now, uh, a new jazz style, I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. But um, someone that is innovative and creating some really beautiful, interesting sounds, not reinventing the wheel, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Right. But a friend of ours that has released a new album that we really like is... Yeah. Alexa Tarantino has a new album called Firefly. <laughs> on Spotify, which was great because I was in the kitchen cooking and I listened to this album and that was really nice, but I don't have the liner notes, so I can't tell you all like the major details about it that I wish I could. Like the other wonderful players on it, maybe Wally's got that information. Uh, I do I don't have know. that information. Woo-hoo! So, uh, Firefly released this year. Yeah, brand new. Uh, artist, it's her third Solo I album? think it's her third solo album. She's got a lot of other. And this ones. is why she. Well, there's a lot of reasons she impresses. Me. She's also super nice. I finally met her right oh, before the pandemic. Cool. She was a guest artist at UNCG, um, and I, you know, introduced myself like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm Wally Wallace. I'm a big fan. I really <laughs> like and she was she nice. You know, she's like you know how some people like will pretend they remember you. She would not let me acknowledge that she didn't know who I was. She's like. Wally from the podcast, of course. And I was like, she knows who I am. Yeah, yeah, and then I nerded out. She was incredibly <laughs> kind. And this album has Alexa Tarantino on Woodwinds. Ben Gilechi, Gilechi, Galiki, vibraphone, Art Hirahara, piano, Boris Kozlov, bass. That's it. I like that name because Boris Karlov. I'm yeah. sure we've made that joke again. Right? Uh, and Rudy Royston on drums. And these yeah. are all dynamite players. Some of these names I recognize from previous albums and also <laughs> Playtone. Um, I think that's the... Positone? Positone, Positone records. Yeah. Positone. Playtone is the make-believe label f- from Tom Hanks from the movie. Um, oh, jeez, That's really? what Playtone is, yeah. Ah, I didn't even it's know what it was. It's a make-believe record okay. label from Tom Hanks. Uh, so this is Positone Records, and I have seen some of these players before, these New York artists. Yeah, I think these They're guys dynamite. have worked together a lot. At least they sound like it. Oh, yes. Yeah, they've yeah. been... I think some of those names are from the other albums, So right? talk us through it. What are some well, of your, the highlights? Let me tell you what I, what I heard. So some... I just have the titles, because while in between... You know, cooking things, and when they would change tracks, I'd run over to my Word doc. Refill and, the Fruit like, Loops. Yes, <laughs> wash off my hands so I could touch my laptop. Yeah, and type in the title. So I have titles, but I don't have. I don't. You know, I don't know the jazz repertoire in and out. I've never pretended to, so I don't know which ones are originals and which ones are like standards that I just don't know. But some of them, they've got great titles: Spiders Dance, 
mindful moments. I made a little note that there's some really awesome vibes playing on that oh, one. Yes. Move of the Spirit, Iris, which is a beautiful, beautiful ballad. It's very sparse, and I called it kind of poetic. Loved listening to that. Daybreak, there's one called Surge Fugetta, which starts with a fugue with flute, bowed bass, and vibes. Very quirky. Thought it was very cute. And then La Donna Nel Giardino, she mm-hmm. plays flute. flute. Great. I, I get a gorgeous flute yes. playing. Oh, my gosh. Loved it. Anyway, lots of really great stuff. The Firefly Code um, had flute, vibes, drums, bass. I think that one was especially cool. I especially liked that one. I loved it all. I just think that everything sounds really personal and creative. Um, it doesn't sound copycat. It sounds like it's really original and fresh. It's young. Love it. And m- melodic. I hear oh, phrases. Yeah. I don't hear digital patterns. No. And, there, you know, there are some really fine players that do tons of technique. Yeah, that's all good. And they sound like Michael Brecker taken to the next level. And I appreciate that. But yeah. one, I think one of the reasons that you and I enjoy Alexis playing so much is that melody and motive always seems to be the front seat driver. Yeah. And then the technique, which she has plenty of. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of technique serves, there. Serves On all that. these different horns. Oh, I know. Oh, my gosh. I'm really annoyed when someone not only plays saxophone better than me, and then later in the album they pull out an entire another woodwind. And then you're like, you're like, thanks a lot, Alexa. Yeah, okay, like, I'll bring the, I'll bring that up in now. therapy next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, she's a young up and coming artist, and I say up and coming. I mean, that's like her third solo album. That's yeah. like up. <laughs> yeah, if she's going you any know? further up, I don't want to see it. It's just going to make me mad. And you know, just thoroughbred. Mm-hmm. You know, Eastman, Juilliard, education. You know, just great. It's exciting to see young people just doing such amazing music making. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I do too. So. um, long answer to a short question for John. Um, we may explore some people that are kind of redefining the genre, but then we kind of mm. get outside jazz. But for someone doing fresh, interesting music in the tradition, yeah, is what I like. Uh, definitely yeah. check out this great album by Alexa Tarantino. She's got yeah. several others as yeah. an artist and as a collaborator. Right. So we have questions. we got to dig deep into the mailbag. Oh, man. I hope they're not too hard. Uh, hold on. Let me open the mailbag. Zip. And uh, pull out the mail. Pull out the mail. Okay, so um, this question is from... Actually, let's answer a question from Carl first because it will be our topic for In the Studio this week. Okay. Uh, playing and performance tips to make you much more better. Ah. So this is from... Um, Carl asks, tips or techniques for keeping in shape when away from the saxophone? How do you maintain a performance level when on tour? Remember tours? Yeah. I don't. Uh, or, <laughs> I mean, actually, I quit touring when I had kids. Yeah. Um, the, well, oh, it's much harder. In the army kids, band, oh, yeah. I vaguely remember. Yeah. Um, so, how do you maintain a performance level when you're on tour, or regular practice, where regular practice may be impossible or compromised? Well, I mean, I guess the the short answer is you kind of don't. <laughs> I mean, honestly, when I haven't toured like this in quite a while now, but when I was with the Vienna Saxophone Quartet and we would go on a week or two week tour, which, you know, by most people's standards isn't even long, you do so much traveling, settling into a new hotel room, going out for dinner, you know, it's nearly impossible to actually practice regularly, but you have to make sure when you can, when you get that time on stage, when you're warming up for the gig or getting a sound check, you know, I don't care who's in the room and who you're trying to impress. Make sure you do some long tones and do your Mm -hmm. scales. Keep your basic playing in shape. Cause I found that a week into a tour, 
sure, we're doing a concert like every other night or sometimes every night. And I was playing my gigs, but my basic playing was just getting out of shape. Technique was getting a little rusty. Tone was going out the window a little bit like that. So just as much as possible, see if you can get at least a little bit of a normal warm-up during your sound check time. In the hotel, if you don't play at weird hours, you usually can get away with 15, 20 minutes of an actual practice. Just take advantage of that whenever you can. Don't worry if you can't do an hour or two. You're just not going to be able to do that. No. But get in a little warm-up warm up session um, with your normal warm-up routine as often as you can. It's hard. I'm just not, I'm not going to say that there's any easy answer to that. It's just really hard to stay in shape when you're on tour because a lot of your time is spent in an airport, mm-hmm. in an airplane, or or in a car, in a Bus, you know. And then yeah. frankly, you get someplace after traveling all day, and you're tired. You know, if you can, you know, take a shower and, you know, get a cup of tea or something or a cup of coffee or something, no alcohol, and try to get your practice in, you know, just really try. And, you know, maybe then you can treat yourself to a nightcap or something with dinner. After practice. After practice. After practice, Carl. Just even tell yourself, I'm going to get my horn out and, and play through four reads and spend 10 minutes. And then you might be surprised, you know, 20 minutes later, like, oh, wow, I practiced. Right. But just do what you can and be gentle with yourself. It's just the way it is. It's just everybody has trouble um, staying in shape on tour. Yeah. Or just even for the adult students, just with life. Just with life. It's not that different from having to go to your job or having to take care of the kids or make dinner, all that stuff you have to do, mow the lawn and take out the garbage. Yeah. Good luck. Don't don't wait until you have an hour. That's a gr- oh, that's a really good one. I used to be that way. I used Me to too. think if I don't have ninety minutes, uh, what's the point? I don't have time to practice. I only have twenty minutes. Right, practice. And I will say, um, as the non-Van Doren artist, uh, Legere has been great because I just leave oh, it sitting yeah. there. Yeah. So when I have fifteen minutes, so when my kids earn what I call free time tokens, yeah. they earn little pockets of time where they can get it on their iPad, and then I run downstairs. Yeah. Now if I have to wet, sort, break in reads, yeah. excuse me, condition reads. I made an yes. entire video on it yes. saying don't call it breaking in. Um, <laughs> Being able to just pull out a read and play. So for the adult students, yeah. uh, the amateurs, which we love amateurs because it comes from the root meaning. Love, for yeah. the love of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm an amateur that has yep, occasionally been paid to play the saxophone. Exactly. Um, so for the adults, just having a legere that you can go in, not feeling like you need an hour to go through this whole rigmarole. Yeah. Just grab your instrument and, and just do some. I'm big into the call and response videos right now with a lot of my students. Fun, yeah. Love it. Uh, so you can just, and I made these videos a length where you can just pop it on. If you got 10 minutes, you're good to go. Yeah. I'm not saying it's like an, uh, it's not a replacement for long practice hours right. necessarily, but like we got to be gentle. And I've had a lot of messages from some of my students saying, Dr. William, I'm really sorry. I'm behind. And like, you know, I had this work project and then my grandson got sick. I'm like, dude. That's real life. Like, Do what that, you can. Like, don't apologize. Yeah, like no. you, you're helping humans in business and like, like you said, you can't be hard on yourself. Yeah. This has to be fun. Yeah. We have to t- stop taking this. You can be serious about the love and wanting to grow, but we need to get over this. I played bad. I'm a bad person. Right. Or I don't play the saxophone well. It's a bad week. Well, and if today, if if I have only a half hour to practice and I decide, okay, I can't afford to do a 10 to 15 minute warm up today yeah. because I've only got a half hour and I've got to, I want to play some music or I'm ready, getting ready for a gig, you know, and I've got to have these, these licks worked out. Just, just 
do a two-minute warm-up. Just yeah. play a couple of long tones or a scale, a little vibrato, whatever you have to do for your warm-up, and then go to the music. And I have a very dear friend who's a pianist, Inara Zanmane, who is a real stickler for keeping a list of the exact places in the music that are difficult. So you don't have to play oh, a piece from the beginning to the yeah. end. She maximizes her precious practice time and I've learned from her to do that by pinpointing these are the places I have to practice and planning out what you're going to do before getting there yeah if you have limited time just go mm -hmm. to those I love to play a piece from beginning to end and and just enjoy it like right. that but when I don't have time I pop over to those technical places where I need to work it's very smart and if yeah. you look at her scores of the things she needs to really work on oh, you'll yeah. see Try to find where Wally's coming in on beat three. <laughs> Try to um, stay with Wally in this cello rondo. I, I, I've done a few of uh, uh, recitals with. She's Arizona. just magnificent. Yeah, she makes everybody sound great. Yeah, but I made her. She had to work for it with me. She does a little. I call it uh, chasing. <laughs> yeah, with me once in a while, she'll be like, "You know, you came in to beat early there once." I'm like, "What?" Yeah, she's and amazing. She'll just cover and. Yeah. She won't even no, know No, she loves yeah. ribbing this. She's like, Wally, I know the piece is a fantasia, but you're in your own fantasy world. Pick a tempo. <laughs> I love it. I <laughs> that right. sounds like a Nara. Yep. Which is <laughs> good, because I've straight. heard if she doesn't like you and she hates playing with you, she'll just smile and nod. Yep, we're good. Bye. Uh oh, you just gave that away for everyone. Oh, they won't be saxophone players, though. No. Well. Oh, wait. Yes. I don't know. But Never I've heard, mind. like, if she ribs you and gives you, uh, you know... Then the, normally she'll just smile and like, get out of my office now. Yeah, yeah. Your, your time is up, go. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> She's so that's great advice. Um, I hope that helps, um, John, for... No, wait, it wasn't or John. Like, it, was, it was Carl. Excuse me, Carl. At that least asked makes a question. him feel better. <laughs> yes. Uh, one other thing that I would say that I want to constantly reiterate to my adult students, don't discredit or discount the amount of power in listening to great recordings. Uh, so if you're in the car or you're traveling, headphones on. I mean, amen. like once you're done with the fresh episode of the Saxophone Academy podcast... Of course. Immediately go on to um, the Saxophone Academy Spotify playlist, yeah. uh, where I actually keep a list of, of tunes to listen to. Perfect. Start listening to music you love. Um, I always say, like, you should be, I'm not sure, if the, I don't have this scientifically proven, but I think students should be listening twice as much as they spend playing. That's probably So, right. especially if you want to learn jazz, it's an oral tradition, spend tons of time listening, and then your practice is all the more efficient. So, if I have a week off, I'll put on some of my favorite records, and when I get, hit, when I get back to the horn, it's a different ball game. Because um, you have that rattling around in your head. For me, there's a lot of rattling sounds because it's a lot, of, <laughs> lot, a lot of space. But no, I mean, listening is truly critical. Oh my gosh, it's so important. So that's the practice tip. Be kind to yourself, listen, yeah. and then sneak in. And don't, like, like Sue said, don't think you need an hour, 20 minutes. Yeah, just do it. It's great. So often made the mistake of not using that 20 minutes. I agree. Yeah. I, can't, I don't even want to think about the amount of yeah. wasted 20 minute yeah. pockets that would equal up to a month of solid of practice. Yeah, exactly. We have another question. Okay. Uh, to get in the mailbag. This is from Laura. Um, as a future high school music teacher, I'm going through the music education specialization at university. Um, at university. I'm 99% sure she's Canadian, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm going to try to go for performance at the end of this uh, next winter semester. My question is, why do music programs remove performance and lesson opportunities when you choose the education route? I know that at most music... Sue's actually grabbing her head in pain right now. Just, Laura, she just, feels you. Uh, I know Miss music... Oh, yes, yeah, she is Canadian. I know that most music schools in Canada do not require you to take a fourth year of private lessons, and they also take away your recital. I feel like musicians shouldn't teach if they don't know or have experience performing before. Um, that is an amazing question, uh, and it gets to the heart of a couple of issues. Sue? It just... I'm I'm in so much pain right now listening to this question because it just touches me so 
so personally. I don't even know if I'm going to get into all kinds of trouble sharing this, but when Go I went to do my undergrad at Northwestern, my intention was to be a high school band director. Yeah. I was going to get a music ed degree because I loved band and I wanted to be a music teacher. And I, I loved being at Northwestern. I loved studying with Fred Hemke, but I felt right away that there was this kind of two track system and one was for music ed majors and one was for performance majors. Mm-hmm. And I started to be uncomfortable with this attitude that I didn't, wouldn't have to worry so much about being a great player because I was quote unquote, just going to teach. And that still just makes the little hairs on the back of my neck go up because it's just the wrong idea. You'd think that the, the thing is your students can't be any better than you are, generally speaking. I mean, it's possible. Actually, a lot of my students, I feel like they do play better <laughs> than me. But I mean, like you, you're, you're the model of how to play for younger students, yes. especially older students do pass us up at some point, I have to say, but at least me. Um, but if you are not very good, your students will have as a model something that's not very good. So you, and anyway, don't you owe it to yourself to be, you see, this gets me very worked up. Yes. You owe it to yourself to be the greatest possible musician that you can be. It doesn't matter how you stack up to anybody else. That If we could just get that out of our heads completely, it would be a better world. <clears throat> but you, you owe it to yourself to get to be, uh, as high a level player as you possibly can be with no comparison with anybody else. But you can't do that if you're not pushed to your highest level. So that bothered me a lot. At the same time, I got interested in doing um, the math major. So I ended up doing a performance degree and a math major. I probably would have stuck with the performance degree if I hadn't done, I mean, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I would have stuck with the education major if I hadn't done the math major, mm-hmm. because I'm a very practical person, I don't really believe personally in getting a performance degree only, although it's a lot of people do that and they have perfectly fine lives, <laughs> but that wasn't for me. But anyway, <clears throat> I would encourage Laura, right, mm-hmm. to just become the greatest player you can be, um, take as many lessons as they allow you to take, and advocate strongly for yourself to get to do that fourth year of lessons. Yeah. If you can at all, if not, find a private teacher, and, but just keep studying. It gets hard with music education because there are so many other classes they have to take. But yeah. during the time you have lessons, just do everything you can. Do a recital every single year. Just take advantage of the opportunity as much as you can. I very much agree. I'm going to get in big trouble here. Okay, go for it. So I'm out of <laughs> academia now. I'm no longer on an academic payroll, so I don't care who I make mad. I found when I was in um, music school and then as a public school teacher, um, especially in the arts, there were two cults. There was a cult of music education and a cult of music theory, where both were got really into their own butts about how important their discipline was, how they had everything figured out, and when you stray from it, you don't know what you're doing. And so in the cult of music education, my I had a middle school band. They played very well. Yeah. And... I don't think rote learning with music is a dirty word. And here's why. Music is an oral tradition. It is art. It is sound. Music is not the description of sound. It's not math. When people say music is math, it is not. You can use math to explain the geometry of dance. Dance is not math. Right. It's stupid to say that. 
and people are trying to boil stuff down Mm -hmm. into things they aren't. Music is music. It's sound. That's the art. If you hear the sounds, you play the sounds, you enjoy the sounds, that's the art form. Done and done. I don't care what anyone else says. You send me your hate mail. I don't care. (laughs) So I had music education friends that would watch me rehearse the band, and I would sing the line and then point to the band, and they would play it back. But they don't understand it. And I think, like, if they're playing a beautiful musical line, they may not describe it using your nerdy terms, but if they're playing a musical line and they're having an emotional, aesthetic experience, they get it. That's the music. And it's so Eurocentric and just disgusting to say, and it's so a slap in the face to the great 20th century body of music of rap, R&B, rock music, folk music, jazz, to say that if you don't understand it, if you can't describe it using my terms, you don't understand it. We don't swear on this podcast, but if I were going to swear, <laughs> that's when I would say, cheese and crackers, you're wrong. <laughs> Because well, the origins of music, period. Yes. It was an oral tradition That's from what it is. the we, very beginning. The jazz music theory is. and the educational theories come mm-hmm. after the fact. I'm not saying you can't teach it better and help other people and address different learning modalities. You can't. But at the end of the day, music is sound and human experience. And I just like, I can't tell anyone you have to do it or think of it this way. No right. one else gets to do that. And so I found in music education, because I'm out of the, the, the academy now, I can say this. There was a lot of rules and best practices in research. And having published research now, I'm not that impressed by academic research, quote, peer-reviewed. So when people tell you, you have to teach it this way, I'm just not that impressed because there's so many musicians that can't begin to describe in our nerdy terms what they're doing, but they're making great music. And I'm not just talking about selling records and making money. I mean, they're making making great great music. music. And so especially for my adult students, I went through that. I understand Second species Renaissance counterpoint. Yeah, I got the highest grade in my class. This is not a brag. This is incredibly nerdy. Highest grade in my class in post tonal theory using set class analysis because I found it fascinating. I understand this stuff. Yeah, I think the overwhelming majority of it is neat, but not necessary to make great music. And so, music education, well, I found a little bit of cult like when I was in school, and then my teaching friends. A little bit of gatekeeping. Yeah, you play really well, Wally, but let's talk. You're just doing so much rote learning. Like, yeah, that's music. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't need you to explain to me what Charlie Parker's playing. Just give me the record. Let me yeah. listen to it. You can call it a flat nine. I just hear it as, Dee. I hear the pitch. Yeah. That's music. So, Laura, long soapbox. <laughs> the air is getting real thin up here. <laughs> You can't convince them, don't try. There are certain people, and same with the music theorists, like, well, you don't really understand what you're like. Well, so some of my jazz heroes wouldn't be able to describe it in the terms you're using. But don't tell me they don't understand the music. Yeah. Don't fight it. Just smile and nod. So, Laura, yeah. you've gotten me fired from any future job. <laughs> I'm not going to get fired from mine. And I you've hope gotten not. great <laughs> wisdom from Sue. I hope that helps answer your question. Um, and if you have a question for the podcast, do reach out. Yeah. Find us on social media. Oh, Email me, so Wally, at thesaxophoneacademy.com. Look up Sue and follow her on Instagram because she's going to be posting. <laughs> um, by the time this episode airs, you may be just getting back from, where are you Maine. going? I'm going to go to the Fred L. Hemke Saxophone Institute in Sydney, Maine, where I'm going to teach and talk about uh, repertoire development, actually. We can talk about that more next time. Yeah. And I'm going to have to perform for the first time in months, so I have been practicing. <laughs> I'll hook you up with some beta blockers. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So, awesome. We'll be back and hear stories about that. And yeah. please do, I'm going to bug you to post pictures on Instagram of, okay. your, of your exciting journeys. Okay. And until then, everyone have a wonderful week. And Take we'll care. see you next week and go practice. <laughs> have Bye, fun. everyone. Bye. Bye.